And they tell them, at least for our purposes at Carroll University, I want them to be trained enough in all of it. They have to have experience in all of it. I want them to do well, sit for their board exam, to pass well. And then if they decide they want to focus on forensics, that's great. They can go on and do more with that and then get that job. If they know they're more focused on autopsy, that's great. Some people want to not have much to do with autopsy, but they still need to learn the skills that they need to learn. But they may end up picking a job that is surgical pathology only, and that's fine too. Welcome to the People of Pathology podcast. I'm Dennis Strank. On this podcast, we explore pathology, laboratory medicine, forensic science, and why we love what we do. It seems like pathologist assistants are becoming more and more in demand every day, so there is clearly a need for more of us. Well, that's why my guest today is my friend Susan Stillman. Susan recently became the program director of the new pathologist assistant program at Carroll University. In this episode, we're going to look back on how Susan became interested in this career. Then we'll talk about how she transitioned into teaching and what it takes to start a pathologist assistant program. Let's get right into it and hear what Susan Stillman has to say. You know, I was thinking we've known each other for a very long time, like what, over 20 years, I think, or about 20 years, right? Yeah, it's, it was about 20 years because I graduated in 2003. So yep, tw- just over 20 years. That's right. That's right. Wow. Long time. <laughs> and you know, when I was thinking about how long we've known each other, it occurred to me that I didn't really know kind of your backstory. So uh, I want to get into uh, that at, at least first. So let's go back to like your college years. And I'm curious for you, what sort of fields were you interested in b- back then? When I originally started college, I was looking into natural resources and wildlife, so those types of science courses. Then I ended up switching to a general biology major, which ended up turning into molecular biology as I took a lot of molecular courses. At that time, then I was thinking about medical school, and that just never felt quite right, but I knew I wanted to do something in the medical field. Okay. So going back to the use of natural resources and then switching to biology, why, why did that switch happen? Like, was there a, an event or something? It no, changed. you know, when you start as an undergrad, you think you know what you want to do and you start taking the courses and a lot of times students will change their mind. They'll get into it and they'll realize that, Hey, that wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, or, Hey, I might not end up with the kind of job that I originally wanted with this degree. So I still, I look back fondly at those courses that I took. I took a lot of, you know, I took forestry and botany and a lot of those types of courses, which I loved, but it just made more sense to me to switch to biology in general, which I also really got into. And it made more sense for what I wanted to do as my career, because I was starting to think about the, the medical field at that point. Okay. And you said that you, you, you felt that medical school wasn't really for you. Yeah, it just wasn't quite the right fit. I, I liked the idea of something in medicine. And I started looking into medical schools. I started doing the original applications, which at the time were paper because I'm that old. But then then I was looking into so what, I. It's okay. <laughs> what other medical things are out there that are not straight up you know, going to be an MD which I guess is what takes me into finding Pathé, the pathologist assistant world. <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about that. What was that search like and how, how did you find the pathologist assistant world? 
So when I was thinking about medical school and I was working with my uh, pre-health advisor at my undergraduate school, I was looking into all the different things that we knew about, that they knew about. And I happened to find it online. I happened to come across a pathologist assistant program and my undergraduate school didn't even know that it existed yet. And I came across the program at Rosalind Franklin, which at the time was called Finch University and ended up really thinking it sounded like a good fit. So I shadowed a PA in 2001 and loved it. And I distinctly remember standing in the gross room when I was shadowing and seeing a placenta for the first time thinking, wow, that's really cool and gross all at once and loved it. So then I, then I applied for the Rosalind Franklin program. I always was interested in anatomy and the field of medicine. And I, I liked the idea of working in a lab and it just seemed like it was a really good fit. Okay, back at that time when you said you shadowed a PA, was that required back then? I know for most programs it is now, but was it then? I don't think it was required. I think it just made sense to me because I didn't know anything about the field and nobody around me had ever done it. And I didn't know for sure what it was about. All I knew was I found this program online and I got a brochure and explained a little bit about it, but I didn't, because the the pathologist assistant field is kind of, we're not patient facing. So as, as a regular person out going to the doctor or going to a hospital, I didn't ever come across a pathologist assistant. I didn't really know. So I think I just felt like I needed to see it. I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't required at the time, I, but I'm not 100% sure. Don't quote me on that. Okay. <laughs> you know, that, that's interesting, not knowing or not have, having never heard about the field. I mean, was that 22-ish years ago? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's still kind of, for a lot of people, it's still the same now. That's still a problem. Yes, because we're not patient-facing. It's still a very hidden profession. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Now, so would you say then that shadowing experience was kind of what inspired you to choose the field or kind of made, really made you decide that at at the time? I think it solidified it. I think that looking into it, reading through the curriculum, learning about what the job is, but then also seeing it and shadowing it and really seeing what it would be like to be a pathologist assistant and every day, you know, what, what do we really do? That is what solidified it. Okay. Okay. I like that. That, that makes sense. I don't, I want to, I don't want to kind of gloss over your time in school, but you said you went to what it was called Finch at the time, Rosalind Franklin, and then coming out you for your first job out of school was working with me. Yes. And, and, and with our mutual friend, Beth. Yes. Um, so let's talk about how awesome that was. <laughs> It was awesome. I loved those years. That was it. That was a great group. It was a very, it was kind of the perfect job for me to have when I was fresh out of school because it was a very comfortable environment. I learned a lot. We, we saw very interesting things, a wide variety of things that we got to do, but it was also, we were very supportive of one another. And I feel like Beth was, she was our senior and she had more experience, but then you also showed me the ropes too. And I, it was, it was a very, it was a very fun, awesome environment. <laughs> yeah. I still, I, you know, I look, looking back on those days that there was, it was great. I mean, we worked hard, but we had fun too. And yeah, yeah like you said, Beth was, I think a, probably a good, maybe mentor for, for both of us at the time. Absolutely. And, and maybe even still in, in some ways. Yes. <laughs> yes. After that, I mean, you, you, you ended up going to a different hospital in the mm-hmm. area. And you worked there for quite a while. And that's when you sort of started getting into 
teaching, which I think at first you kind of did part-time. Yes. So I had the opportunity to basically with the, we had a few students that came through and did their clinical years with us. So I had very little experience with that, but that was fun. And that was in the hospital, but that's, that was different, a different kind of teaching job. So in 2016, I was really thinking more about, you know, teaching in an academic situation, like in a classroom. And I just happened to come across an open position for an anatomy course as an adjunct instructor at Carroll University. And so I applied and I did it and it was in the evenings. And so I was still went to my regular day job, worked at the hospital all day. And I went three nights a week and I taught um, as an adjunct instructor there. And I loved it. And I did, I, I enjoyed it from the start. It's definitely a learning curve. I had to um, learn a lot of things about academia that was brand new to me, but it was, it was great. It was, I, I felt like a, the right additional fit. I mean, I love the pathologist assistant world and, and it's a great comfortable place for me, but this was like a new, exciting addition at that point. Okay. Okay. That that's, that's interesting. Now you said that you started thinking about teaching in, I think you said 2016. Was this something that you always wanted to do or where did that kind of interest sort of start? I think it was a combination of things. I think I felt like I had already been working clinically as a pathologist assistant since, you know, 2003 is when I graduated. So 2002 is when I started my clinical year. And I I felt like I had learned so much and I was really very comfortable. I also kind of am like a nerd in some ways where, where I like going to school. I like being a student and I really like the idea of being a professor. I also really like the idea of, you know, going back and getting additional degrees and learning more and potentially writing, you know, papers and things like that. So it, it was something that it all kind of happened at the right time when I was looking into it. Okay. And and what were you teaching at the beginning? Was that anatomy? Yeah, it was an anatomy. It was, it's an upper level, but undergraduate anatomy course. And it was, some of it was very, very easy and things that I dealt with every day at the, at my job at the hospital, but some of it I had to relearn or go back and kind of brush off and remember because there's general anatomy things that we don't use every day in the clinical world as a pathologist assistant, but that is incorporated into the anatomy courses that we have to make sure that we teach all, all of it. Um, so it was a little bit of a learning curve for me too, to make sure that I was completely prepared and over-prepared to be able to, to teach that course. That has to be good for you though, too. Like, I mean, I do at where I work now, I do some, you know, we have pathology residents, so I do, it's not formal teaching, it's more informal. But like you were saying, you really have to know what you're talking about if you're going to teach it to somebody else. So that's that's a good refresher, I think. Yes, and it feels good. And you start to actually put together some things. We, I, I find there's a benefit when you learn as a student, and then you go out and you work in the real world for a little while. If you go back and you look at that same material, you will make some new connections that you didn't make the first time you learned it because you, you've you then seen the real organs and things that you've worked with in the clinical setting. And then when you go back and you look at your you know anatomy notes or go back and have lectures, it's like all of a sudden additional light bulbs go off and you make all these new connections. And I feel like I... I have only helped my grossing abilities by going back and teaching. 
Yeah, I can totally relate to that. Yep, for sure. Now, you, you mentioned those sort of light bulb moments. Like, did you have that, you know, teaching other people where they where they had those moments when they finally grasped like a concept or something like that? Yes. And that is something that as an instructor, that is one of the coolest feelings. When you are teaching something to a student and you can see that all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, I completely get it. And it's it's that you can see it in their face that they finally completely understand it. And that is the coolest feeling as an instructor to know that you helped them reach that point where now things fit together and will only make their life easier and they can actually do well in the class and, and just really to know the material that's important for their future career. Yeah, for sure. That's I, I, that's a great answer. That's inspiring. I like it. <laughs> okay. So uh, con- continuing with the, the teaching kind of theme. Now, I know you've been working on starting a pathologist assistant training program for for a while now. But well, well, all right. Before we even get into that, where did that idea come from? Like one day you just thought, I'm going to start a training program. Like, Like what happened there? So when I was an adjunct, when I first started at being an adjunct in 2016, that was already something that was being discussed at Carroll University, which I did not realize. So again, perfect timing for me to show up there and start as an adjunct because then they're like, oh, wait, you're a pathologist assistant. We're thinking about starting this training program. So it was something that they had already started looking into and it just worked perfectly that I happened to be there and be one and could help get it going and help start setting things up. Was that something that you were interested in right away or did you go like, oh, that seems like a lot of work. I'm not sure if I want want to do that or you know what I mean? Like, were you on board right away? Yeah, I was instantly on board. I thought it was the coolest idea. I was, I, and again, I remember that first time that somebody brought it up to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I was very excited because for me, this is putting together the best of both worlds. This is me being able to teach now full time and, but still love the world of pathologist assistance and what we do and be able to have that combination of teaching and also still being part of the pathologist assistant world, which is such a cool, a cool profession. So it was just perfect timing and a perfect combination. And I was like, yes, please, let's do it. People have been asking for a Wisconsin program and they, people have been reaching out to Carol saying, Hey, we need this. Carol is well known for their graduate health programs. So we have, you know, physical therapy, occupational therapy, athletic training, nursing. We have a lot of health programs. And this was something, and physician assistant too, this was something that people have reached out for and were asking to have one in Wisconsin. So it all just came together perfectly. At least I feel that way. <laughs> okay. So, so this was exciting to you right away. Yes, absolutely. So all right, let's kind of, cause I, I know a little bit about what it, what goes into sort of starting a program, like very little, but if we can kind of go behind the scenes about what it's like to start a program like this and what has to be done before you can even start accepting students. Yeah, there's a lot. We could talk Mm -hmm. about that for hours, but very briefly, there's, there's a lot of steps to it. Obviously this has taken years. We had a delay because of COVID. So things took a little longer than it should have. Things were kind of slowed down, but there's, there's a lot of steps. We started with a feasibility study where you have to look into 
you know, can we do it? Should we do it? Is there a need? It's this huge document. We need to get approval from faculty. We need to get approval from the committees, from, you know, upper level people at the university, but also like the Higher Learning Commission, which is national. They have to give us approval and then take those first steps of accreditation. So for NACLS is our accrediting agency. We have to start taking those steps of accreditation. We have to find a medical director. We have to set up the clinical sites. We have to design the physical space and get the equipment and design the courses and build the curriculum, get the website, hire the faculty. And now we're holding information sessions and we're present at the open houses. So it's it's a lot of work for lots of people. There are lots of people involved with this. So there's, you know, associate dean and dean and registrar and admissions. And, you know, lots of people are all working together to put a lot of it together. So we are in the process of accepting applications and interviewing right now. So we are through many, many, many of the steps, but there's, there's a lot still to go. And especially with the accreditation, we are where we need to be for accreditation, but certain things have to be done in a certain order and you have to have students present before you can complete certain steps. So it's going to be, it's a big process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Did that ever get overwhelming? Did you, and you went like, you know what, I'm not sure if I can, if I want to handle this. Not yet. <laughs> no, <Okay. laughs> no, it's, it's, we, I have a lot of support. There are a lot of people part of this and I also have some good relationships with other program directors of other pathologist assistant programs, and I have a good network of pathologist assistants that are coworkers or previous coworkers. So I I feel like between the support at Carroll and the support in the Path A community, the pathologist assistant community, it's it just it's feeling good right now. Yeah, yeah, good, and it seems like things are things are moving along uh, very well. And, and like you said, you 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 started accepting students, right? Yeah, we are interviewing students right now. Yep. Okay. Is there, I'm not sure if you can answer this one, but is, is there like a number, a certain number of students that you'll be accepting for the first cohort? For the first year, I would expect there might be maybe 12. I, we would up to maybe 16. So, uh, but again, with the first year, it might be less because we are, just getting the word out about the program. A lot of people don't even know that we exist yet. And we are also already into the interviewing stage and the students start in May of 2024. So, you know, it might be a smaller cohort the first year, but that's okay. You know, it would be a great way to get the word out about this program. You you should go on a podcast. (gasps) That's a really good idea, Dennis. I should do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. <laughs> you know, while we're talking about training programs, you know, we sometimes hear, especially online, comments that, that no, there are too many training programs or that all of these students are going to come out and flood the market and, you know, salaries will go down and things like this. Right. And I don't, I mean, let's talk about this for a couple of minutes, but I, I let me just say first, I don't agree with this kind of way of thinking. I, I think there's, it seems like there's plenty of jobs available and there's more every day. What, what's your kind of opinion on, on these types of comments or criticisms? Yeah. So I do see some of those comments, especially online. I think that's the only place I've ever seen that. Um, yeah. But less and less frequently. 
So I have noticed that those kind of comments are not popping up as much, which is lovely because I think people are realizing that that is not true. We have open pathologist assistant positions all the time. The current statistic that's out there is there's about four open positions for every PA out there. And I, I don't know for sure how perfectly accurate that is, but there are definitely positions and there are a lot of places that are struggling to fill their positions. In addition, there's a pathologist shortage, which we know has been happening now. And those are, we are filling a lot of those roles. And as more pathologists retire, there's going to be even a greater need. In addition to that, we're starting to fill additional non-traditional roles. So there's going to be a, even a greater need for us as we fill the more supervisory positions of labs, those manager type roles. We are seeing more autopsy specific pathologist assistants or forensics, forensic PAs. So we're seeing other roles being filled. So I think there's only going to be a greater need for us. Yeah. I, yeah. I definitely agree with that. And I, I've mentioned that before on, on this, on this podcast for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And I think we're going to talk a little, little later about some more of these kind of additional roles or how the field might change. Yes. Uh, this is the People of Pathology podcast with our guest, Susan Stillman. We'll be right back. LabVine is an interactive online learning platform where laboratory professionals learn, develop, and discover by sharing knowledge and building on each other's experience. The platform provides global access to internationally accredited laboratory-specific courses and other resources developed by lab specialists, like us, for the laboratory industry. LabVine is free to sign up, and you can use the link in the show notes to get started. If you're trying to understand the ever-changing world of digital pathology and image analysis, there's a new course that can help you, Pathology 101 for Tissue Image Analysis. Now, this course was created by Dr. Alexandra Zhurov, who you might remember from episode 53 of this podcast. She also writes the Digital Pathology Place blog and hosts the Digital Pathology Podcast. Pathology 101 for Tissue Image Analysis aims to bridge the gap between computer science and pathology and explains some of the complicated concepts in image analysis. You can sign up for this course by following the link in the show notes. Now for the rest of my conversation with Susan Stillman on the People of Pathology Podcast. You mentioned the virtual information sessions, and I want to hear about this now. These are, I think, monthly, right? How do those work? Yeah, so we have one a month right now, and they are listed on our website, and people can click on a link that's on the um, Carol Pathologist Assistant website. And if you Google that, you'll find us. They, you just can, you can sign up, and then there's no, you know, commitment or anything. But you'll get a link sent to you, and you can join the virtual session. And at the virtual session, it they usually last maybe 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, depending on how many people are present and how many questions they have. But okay. generally, what happens is I start. And I share some PowerPoint slides and I explain about the program and some general PA information in addition, because sometimes people don't even know what we are and they're like, well, what is this program and what is this profession? So I explain to them about the profession a little bit and then about the program specifically. And then we have a graduate admissions counselor who goes through some of the admission part of it where, you know, what are their prerequisites and what are the, the dates that we're doing certain things? And then there's a question and answer. So it's Q&A at that point. So it's, it's a very informal easy way to learn more about the program. Sometimes people have their camera off the whole time and are muted the whole time and they type questions in the chat. Sometimes people, you know, will put their 
they'll actually turn their microphone on and ask questions. It's very informal and it's really just for information gathering and, and for someone to learn more without feeling like they have to commit to anything and they can just do it right from home or right through their phone or however it works. Yeah, I like this. This is, is great. It being virtual, and like you just said, you could do it right from home. Yep. Do you get a, a lot of do people ask a lot of questions? There's some good questions. Yeah, sometimes they come in and they don't know much about the field. So it's more of a let's just figure out what this profession is. But a lot of times the people who attend them know what the field is and they just have very specific Carroll University questions and that we just answer all their questions and, and also say, you know, if you ever have additional questions, you can email the graduate admissions counselor for those types of questions, or you can email me directly if you have specific PA questions or something that I would be able to help with as the program director. Okay. Okay. That's great. That sounds, sounds like that'd be very helpful for prospective students. Yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned the, the program's website, which by the way, you people, you won't even have to Google it. I'll put it in the show notes. It'll take you right there. But I was looking at the website and it has like the goals of the program. And one of the goals, it says to develop the ability to effectively communicate with other medical professionals within the laboratory, in the hospital system and external clinical institutions. And I like this idea of communication because at the end of the day, that, you know, that's what we're doing. We're communicating information to the clinical team about the specimen, about the diagnosis, all of that stuff. And so I'm, I'm curious why from the programs and, and from your point of view, why is the idea of communication so important? Well, communication we know is important in everything in the world. And it's very important in the medical field for the different professionals to be able to work together. So we have interprofessionalism that is is key for working between, you know, surgeons and nurses and med techs. And that that's important in general, right? Because you want to be able to give the best patient care and you really need to work as a full team to be able to give a patient their best care possible. So that's kind of a broad answer. But specifically with PA for pathologist assistant, our even though our field is still considered you know, kind of a hidden profession, we play a very key role in patient care, and we need to be able to effectively communicate. So if we need to effectively communicate, let's say, when we are grossing in our specimen and dictating what we see, we're painting that picture for that pathologist so that they can, in essence, see what we see when they get their slides. So that that original communication is a very important part of our role. Um, but in addition, we interact with nurses, we interact with physician assistants, we interact with surgeons, we interact with other healthcare professionals. Sometimes I know personally where I work part-time still now, but worked for many years, we sometimes get call called up to the OR and we interact with the surgeons right there next to the patient in surgery. They want to show us orientation. They want to tell us something special about the history, something like that. But we also you know, have phone calls with surgeons about orientation or with nurses or about labeling or if there's discrepancies. And so that interaction with those other healthcare professionals is super important for patient care, but I also feel like it's a good way for people to learn who we are and what we do because we are hidden in the lab still a little bit. And I think it's important for the other departments and other um, healthcare professionals to know what are we capable of? What are we responsible for? And what can they feel comfortable knowing that we are going to take care of? And that's a, that's a good way for them to start to really trust us. 
I like that. That's that's an impressive point of view. And yeah, these communication skills, like like you said, they're important. And for a lot of us, myself included, you kind of have to learn how to do that correctly. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's good. Okay. I know we're, we're kind of early on, very early on in the program still, and you're just ex- ex- interviewing students now, but I'm curious about, because you've had, what, seven, six, seven years teaching experience now, and I imagine your methods have changed over those years. And I wonder as far as teaching methods or like technologies that are going to be used in this program, are there any like concrete plans for these things yet? So a little bit, and I can say, you know, technology is great. And I'll talk about that in, in a second, but uh-huh. I, I do really feel that we need to stay with some of the old school a little bit because like, for instance, for anatomy, we have cadavers, we do cadaver dissection. And I think cadaver dissection is a very important part of learning anatomy to really be able to look and see and feel and explore and find and and actually be able to learn that way. So I that's something that will be part of the program, the cadaver dissection for sure. We will also have organs that we will be able to manipulate and, and look at and gross in essentially. So we will maintain that because those are important things for anatomy, for surgical pathology, for autopsy pathology. We need to be able to have the real stuff right in front of us. But in mm-hmm. addition, you know, that being said, technology is pretty cool. So we do have an anatomage table, which is essentially a really big iPad. And there are patients that have been entered into it, scanned, scanned, scanned over and over. And all in that image is those imaging are, are present in there. And so what you can do is you pull up a patient and you're able to rotate or take off layers or add layers back on or, or cut a certain thing and off or look inside. And it's, it's basically like a big iPad with this application in there where you can dive in and look at the anatomy, which is awesome. In addition to that, we give subscriptions codes to our graduate health students for their first year to an um, app called complete anatomy which is something that they can then use that code and get that app on whatever device they have so they can have that with them at any time they can be studying at two o'clock in the morning at home if they want to and it is a very cool app where you can tech again take off layers add layers search for a specific muscle search for a specific bone and and have things move you know you can actually have movements happen so it's an awesome app that we have the students utilize throughout that first year so i can say that there probably will be other new technologies that pop up but right now that is the current plan Okay, I like this as kind of a sort of a hybrid approach, having the, the kind of the traditional ways that you mentioned, which is really important, especially for, for pathologist assistants. I mean, you need that hands-on. Yes. The hands-on experience for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. But I can see how these, the technological approach, especially for, you know, like like rare conditions or rare diseases and things like that, you you know, you might not be able to experience that you know, physically, but you can do it through technology now, which is great. So then the last thing I want to talk about with you is, and you kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier. So the the pathologist assistant, the role and the field itself is changing a little bit now, but I feel like it's going to change even more. Like you mentioned shortage of pathologists, PAs getting into sort of non-traditional roles, 
So I'm curious about what do you think the, the role of the pathologist assistant will be in five years or 10 years? So I think, I think, like you said, it's already been changing a little bit. It's definitely different than when I graduated, you know, 20 years ago, but I do see a, a bigger expansion. I should say we will have a lot of traditional roles, traditional surgical pathology, you know, path- pathologist assistants that are in those traditional hospital settings, you know, grossing in those surgical specimens. A lot of times those people might have hospital autopsies occasionally, but what we're seeing is this shifting in lots of ways. So we're seeing the shifting of responsibility again in the laboratory. So I'm hearing more and more about how PAs are filling those supervisory roles and then moving up that ladder in, in management. Um, we're seeing, you know, the, the role of grossing is shifting to pathologist assistants kind of only in a lot of places where pathologists yeah. don't have as much or if any, they don't come into the gross room much anymore. And we are also teaching, we're teaching the residents, we're teaching the pathologist assistant students during their clinical re- year. And I think that as we're bringing, we're, we're doing more, we're grossing more, we're doing the teaching in the gross room. The pathologists, I think, have, I think they've come to really respect us and trust us and know that we really do know what we're doing, both in surgical pathology and autopsy pathology. I feel like that that trust has has grown and the relationship has become really good. The other thing is with with hospitals, a lot of times autopsies are being outsourced. And so some of the more traditional surgical pathology roles, they don't have occasional autopsies anymore. But we also are seeing a lot of pathologist assistants who are, you know, autopsy only. So we actually are getting those autopsy PAs. We're getting specifically the forensic PA. So we're starting to see those jobs showing up at the medical examiners, which is awesome because there's also a shortage of medical examiners. So we can help fill a role that is really necessary. So they're seeing our value in that. And then there's always the whole idea of, okay, well, some places actually are screening some slides and certain things. Again, that's a little more controversial, but that, that could be something that also potentially could change, change our field as well. That has to be exciting for you. I mean, because now you're going to be on kind of the the cutting edge of that because you'll have to prepare your students for those changes. Yes. And make sure that they're ready to go in whichever direction they want to go in. But I have talked to when students come to me and ask questions, I said, well, if you know a lot about the field, do you already know? Are you most interested in forensics? Are you you know, more interested in autopsy or are you kind of eh, about autopsy and you're more interested in surgical pathology? And I tell them, at least for our purposes at Carroll University, I want them to be trained enough in all of it. They have to have experience in all of it. I want them to do well, sit for their board exam and pass well. And then if they decide they want to focus on forensics, that's great. They can go on and do more with that and then get that job. If they know they're more focused on autopsy, that's great. Some people want to not have much to do with autopsy, but they still need to learn the skills that they need to learn. But they may end up picking a job that is surgical pathology only. And that's fine too. So I kind of see it as giving us more options out there, which is very exciting to be part of this right now, because I think we're only going to expand into more opportunities. Yeah, I I definitely agree. It's like I've said many, many times on this podcast, it's an exciting time to be in the field of pathology. 
And, yes. you know, it, for us kind of personally to be pathologist assistants in this field is, is exciting as well. I agree. Yeah, for sure. All right, Susan, this has been a real thought provoking conversation and it was, it was great catching up with you. I know it's been a, it's been a little while, so I appreciate, appreciate your time and appreciate learning more about the, the Carol pathologist assistant program. Thank you very uh, much. If you're looking for another episode of the people of pathology podcast to check out after this one, Here's a clip from my interview with another PA educator, Marissa Spencer. In this clip, we talk about teaching philosophy. Like a colon, for example, you know, why do we open it a certain way? Why are we taking sections, you know, from mucosa to serosa and not playing, putting tissue on edge so that you can see the layers? And it has to do with, you know, staging, for example. You know, the depth of invasion through those walls is what's important for the pathologist to see. So to me, it's like I can tell anyone like how to grow colon, but I think it's much more valuable for someone to understand I'm gracing it like this so that this can be appreciated under the scope. And I think that helps people not miss something. I definitely, and also when I'm teaching, I think I try to ask like questions rather than give um, directions sometimes. So I'll be like, well, what do you think is the appropriate approach and why? And, you know, sometimes a student or a resident will tell me, and I'm like, awesome, like, you've got this. You clearly get the, the meaning behind why you're sampling this specimen the way you are. You can hear the rest of my conversation with Marissa Spencer in episode 154. All right, big thanks to Susan Stillman. This one was a lot of fun. It's always nice catching up with an old friend, so I, I thank her for that. One of the reasons that I wanted to have her on the podcast was, of course, to give some attention to the new Carroll University program. And it was also really interesting to hear more about the program and some of the teaching methods that they're going to use. So again, if anyone out there listening is interested in this program, I'll have the link to it in the show notes that you can check it out. And of course, we're two pathologist assistants talking about a pathologist assistant training program. But let's remember that none of this happens without pathologists. You have to have a pathologist as part of the program, they have to be the medical director. And I know we talked about some of the additional roles that PAs can fill these days, but we're not talking about replacing pathologists. We're talking about helping them to fill the gap. I mean, it's right there in our title. We assist pathologists. So I just wanted to make that very clear. But in any case, I'm really excited for Susan. I'm really excited for this new program. I know this has been in the works for many years, and I'm really glad to see that they've gotten it started. Don't forget, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at People of Path, or just connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you for continuing to share the show with others. Together, let's inspire the next generation of pathologists and laboratory professionals. This show is a member of Health Podcast Network, which connects listeners with conversations and stories about health, care, and well-being. You can find a link in the show notes to Health Podcast Network. And while you're there, check out some of their other interesting podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Dennis Strank, and I'll talk to you next time on the People of Pathology podcast.